Hello, I'm Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the lead pastor of Harvest Worship Center. On behalf of myself and our congregation at Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. This is a podcast of our Sunday morning celebrations that take place every week at 10.30 a.m. We would like to invite you to come and join us in person sometime. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. We now pray that you are blessed by the Word of God today. Thank you again, and we hope you will enjoy this week's message. If you would like more information about Harvest, please visit us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website at tryonhwc.com. Forty days of focus. Forty days of focus. You say, what's forty days of focus? Well, you can have, uh, what is it, about 28 days of focus if you haven't started. Forty days of focus, forty days that we've set aside the first of the year to fast and to pray and to ask God to do some impossible things. Boy, has he already started out doing some impossible things before we've ever really got started this year. I wonder what he's got in store if we will remain committed to doing this. Amen? To create a culture of prayer, to create an atmosphere of prayer. That prayer is not our our last resort, it is our first resort. It is what we turn to before we turn to anything else. Before the doctor's called, we go to our, our, our great physician. Amen. Before, before anything, we talk to our God and our King. Last week, I began to talk to you about prayer that can break the chains in your life. Prayer that can break the chains in your life. Prayers that can set you free from the things that are binding you. And again, this is not just for those who are in sin. There are so many things binding the body of Christ from operating with liberty and freedom today. And one of the biggest chains, I think, that needs to be broken in most people's minds and lives is the chains of religion. If I just go to church, and I can mark that off my list, I'm a good person. There is more to serving God than just sitting in a seat in a house that's called a church. And when you discover that, all of a sudden, there's a freedom that comes and a joy that comes that church isn't a chore anymore. It is a joy in your life that you look forward to. And you want to be a part of. We need freedom. Acts 12, 1 through 15 has been our kind of our anchor. And we're going to go back to that in just a moment. But just kind of recap a few things. What are the chains in our life? What are the things that need to be broken? What are some of the things, maybe it is sinful things that you are turning to. God's ready to set you free. Anybody in this room, everybody within the sound of my voice, we are a breath away from Judgment. We're a breath away from, the, from, from, from seeing God and, and, and that judgment seat. It doesn't matter who we are. The key to breaking free from every chain in our life is prayer. And I've shared with you that prayer can become intimidating. Prayer can be a lot of things. Um, I know that sometimes when I was first uh, a believer coming up in church as a kid, prayer was an intimidating thing because I would listen to people pray and I would compare the way I prayed to the way they prayed. And it's like, man, God ain't listening to me because I I don't know how to do that right. I don't know how to pray. Brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so in the church, they know how to pray. My mom, my dad, they know how to pray. I want you to know you may find yourself in a position 
situation that you have nobody to call on but yourself to pray for you. And you better know that you can talk to God. And, and listen, and again, prayer should not be an intimidation. Prayer is a privilege. God designed prayer so that we have direct access to the throne of God, the throne of mercy. And look, we need to be able to pray not just during times of crisis. Not just during times when, when things are falling apart, but any time we have access to the throne of God that we can pray over the... Look, we need, to, we need to start praying over every decision we make as a church. Amen? As a family. We need to be praying over those choices and those decisions. I, I, I'm going to tell you, especially if you are single and you are dating and you're out there, you better be praying about your decisions. About who you are yoked together with. Amen? Because when you're yoked with somebody, guess what? If they are stronger than you, they will pull you their way. Amen? The strong oxen was always the one that they kept in, in, tethered the most because if they didn't control that oxen, it would pull the weaker one its way. I want you to know we need to be yoked together with that which strengthens us, not weakens us. Amen? That's good preaching. I, I, y'all that are new, I will amen myself if necessary. <laughs> Acts chapter twelve says about the time that Herod the king laid he, about that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. I don't know if you understand, but we sometimes have a very, very, very secure sense in the, in, in the American church that this stuff will never happen or apply to us. Well, they didn't think a few Sundays ago in Texas that a man would walk in and open fire on their congregation, but it did happen. And somebody says, yeah, but it got stopped. I'm thankful it got stopped, but not before some lives were lost. I'm here to tell you, somebody stood before God that that day for judgment. Mm. You better believe Herod. What is Herod representative of in the scripture? He's, he's representative of a false king. A false king. Well, who is the false king of this world? Satan. Satan longs to take violent hands upon the church. You better not kid yourself. He wants to wreck the faith of the church. And I'm here to tell you, it happens in America, just not on the scale of other nations. Not yet. The Bible says that he wanted to put them to the sword. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw it, pleased the religious, the Jews. It pleased them. The religious will always rejoice at the downfall of those who are free in their spirit to worship God. Do you hear me? When somebody has freedom to worship, the religious get upset about that. The religious will brand them with false things. I'm here to tell you, I've been called everything you can imagine, and I've been called by that by, by people who are supposed to be my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so have you, some of you. I've been, it's been told of me that I don't preach the truth. I invite them to come sit and listen to what I preach. 
that I keep a, a watered down message so that we can fill the house. I will never compromise what I preach to fill the seats. I'm here to tell you, I believe that there's a longing within the modern church, within the church uh, of America that says I'm sick and tired of some, somebody telling me I'll have my best life now when I look around and this life isn't worth, worth what they say it is. I wanna know the truth that the word of God has. And I believe there are people seeking it. Anyway, the Jews didn't like it, so he proceeded to arrest Peter. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out, out to the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but earnest prayer for him was made. Again, I want you to underline that in your Bible. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. There will never be a substitute for earnest prayer. I'm here to tell you we are election away from the right people taking office where the truth will come under attack in our churches like never before and they will try to make a hate crime out of preaching what is truth. And when that takes place, they may very well want to lock me up. Don't have a chicken dinner for me to try to post my bail. Why don't you just gather in this house and begin to call on the name of the Lord and see what God might do. That's what the church did. The church didn't go out and raise money to try to spring him, to try to get him free. Instead, the church earnestly prayed before God and God moved in behalf of their prayers. Earnest prayer will move heaven in your life. Amen. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the sentries before the doors were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up, get, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. We don't get amazed at the word anymore. I'm afraid too many of us, we, we, we become dull and numb to the power of what took place. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and the light shone. Now I'm going to tell you right now, how many of you bright light will wake you up? Now, I don't believe this was some little nightlight going off in that cell. The Bible says, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck. Don't you like that? The angel says, get up, Peter. Peter was so at ease in his spirit that he was so at rest. I'm here to tell you, some of us don't spend the night in a prison cell, but we might as well because we're so uneasy in our minds and in our spirits and in our hearts. We don't have peace with God. We don't have peace in ourselves and we are restless and we are in a prison to our own thinking. We're in a prison to our own way of, of living. And I'm here to tell you, God's ready to shine a light into your life. He's ready to wake you up and set you free, but you got to want it, you got to desire it, and you got to ask God to do it. And when he opens the door, and he opens the cell, and he lets the chains fall off, walk out of the prison. And listen, Peter didn't walk out to the marketplace. He didn't go out and have a good dinner at the local restaurant. When he was set free, where did he go? He went knocking on the door of the church. He went to say, I'm coming back to the place where earnest prayer was delivered. God has set people free from their sins and free from 
from, from all kinds of things. And instead of turning to God, they run out the door and back to the world. Peter was set free and he wanted to go to the church. Amen? I want you to think about that. He didn't want to go anywhere but to the church. And I love it because the church slams the door in his face. If you read the rest of the story. He knocks on the door. They think a little girl opens the door and slams the door in his face. Says Peter's outside. Let him in. What peace this man must have had with God to find rest in a place of unrest. Now I've never... I've never been a resident of a, of a prison, but I have visited prisons and I, I've, I've visited jails. And prisons especially are noisy places. The ones I've been to. How did this man find rest in a place of unrest? It was a relationship with God. One that he would not compromise easily. Some of us are compromising too easily. Because we're forgetting what he set us free from. Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on. The church, God's people prayed and chains fell off. God set Peter free from prison. God's people prayed in the midst of the problem. They didn't, they didn't turn and discuss it. They didn't turn and, 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 and talk about what are we going to do because, you know, James is dead and we know Peter's sick. Instead, the people of God gathered together and they prayed. I'm going to tell you there is power in prayer. There is power when we come together and we say, look, enough is enough. I want you to pray for my friends. I want you to, let's pray for our loved ones. We're tired of seeing the, the Satan destroying their lives. Let's pray until we see God do something. I'm going to tell you, if you want, how many of you know somebody that needs to be saved and they need to be saved right now? Come on. You know a sinner that needs to be set free. There's enough hands in this building that I'm here to tell you right now. The only way that's going to happen is when we begin to offer earnest prayer that their chains might fall off of them. But I'm here to tell you the blind can't lead the blind and until the church gets the chains off of their own life and on their own way of thinking, they will never be set free to lead others to freedom. Amen. Some of us, we've got an idea. This is how it's going to be. And God's ready to set you free. As God's people, we need to trust in the midst of the problems. We've got to trust him in the midst of the problems. We need to know that God can and will break the chains that bind us. He can and he will break the chains that bind us. I think some of us, we've just gotten too accustomed to it. Amen. Now I'm going to tell you something. Before I got married, I didn't wear a ring. And when I started wearing a ring, I was very uncomfortable wearing a ring. 
It wasn't because I didn't love my bride. It was because I wasn't used to wearing this on my finger. So I would fidget with it and I would play with it and I would pull it off and, 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 and rub it between my... I didn't, it was something I wasn't used to. Now I don't even think about it. It's just a part of me. I think that's how it is with some of us. Come on, church. I'm going to preach whether we want to or not. That's how some of us are with the things that are chaining us up and keeping us from being free in our spirit to do the things that God has called us to do. We've wore the chains so long. We've got accustomed to them and we're used to them and they don't bother us anymore. We've got used to the sin. It don't bother me anymore. I don't have a conscience. If we're, care, if we're not careful, our conscience will be seared and become callous to those things. You ever had a wound of some kind healing and it healed to the point where it didn't hurt anymore? So you really forgot about it, but then something happens and you bump it. And then your attention's back on it. It gotten just well enough for you not to notice. Amen? How many of you have ever had a doctor, you've had this kind of surgery, and the doctor looked at you and said, you're going to be okay till you start feeling better. And when you feel like you're well, you're going to begin to want to do things that you're not ready to do because you're going to feel like you're well, but you're not really well. I'm going to tell you, some of us, we pray enough to think we've got our sins under control, our problems under control, but yet they come thundering back every time they get touched or bumped. And we remember them because they've not fully healed. I'm here to tell you, God's ready to heal us this year. He's ready to restore us this year to the point that we are whole again. I'm here. We can't win this harvest unless we become whole. Hmm. The church prayed through their problem. They didn't reason or think through it. They prayed through their problem. It wasn't a time to quit. It wasn't a time to run. It wasn't a time to hide. Not, not, not just the, the prayer warriors prayed. Not just the intercessors prayed. But everyone in the church began to pray because the problem was great. They began to pray because, guess what? This was their leaders. How would they, how would they go forward with, if, if God didn't intervene? So they prayed that God would set some people free. They prayed for John Mark's mother's house. And, and, at John Mark's mother's house. And God's answered the prayer. Prayer, uh, while Peter was sleeping in the prison. His chains fell off. He was set free and he shows up at the house that night. What are you saying? I'm here to tell you God is ready to move and set some people free. Often when we pray, we can pray for something or someone that is somewhere else and we have faith that God will answer the prayer. Amen. There's sometimes I can't, like for instance, Tina's brother, we can't, we can't go physically pray for him right now. That's a seven-hour trip. But you know what? Immediately when we heard, we begin to pray. We begin to pray, God, you are bigger than this. You are greater than this. And our God, who was with us here, was already present there. Amen? God don't have to pack a bag and load up a suitcase to get to the problem. He's already at the source of the problem. And when we begin to pray here, God is already moving there. Amen? 
We pray for our servicemen and women in, in, in the nation of Iraq and overseas. And, and, and guess what? God doesn't have to get a visa. God doesn't have to have a passport. God doesn't have to get on a plane and travel many hours to arrive there and then his spirit walk into the, to where the servicemen and women are, are at. No, our God is already present there. In other words, he's already there while he's already here. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same moment, at the same time. And the God I'm praying here to is already at the source of the problem. Oh, I need God to move in my work and work working uh, uh, my job and in at my workplace. God's already at your Monday. Did you know that? God's already working there. Matthew 21, 22 says, when Jesus said, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. He meant what he said. You can pray and you will receive it. Now he goes on to say, according to the will of God. How many of us are praying for the will of God in our lives? Amen? I want this kind of career. Have you really asked God if that's the right career for you? I, I, I want this kind of... <laughs> I like what Jeff Foxworthy says. He says they, he was reading a, a magazine that said 80% uh, of women said they wanted a dangerous man. He said, now, they must have been thinking like James Bond or one of these guys, he said, because he's watched too many episodes of Cops where a dangerous man's walking out in handcuffs looking at his wife saying, don't you touch my cigarettes! <laughs> and she's hollering back, I love you, baby. You better pray for a righteous person. Amen? Better pray for a righteous person because we live in a troubled world and you better know somebody that can join hands with you in those times of trouble and seek the throne of God and know that what we ask in his name believing we shall receive. God's ready to do some impossible things this year and he's already begun to do those things in our very midst. He's beginning to move. I've got news for you. I'm looking for good reports. I'm looking for God to already have moved. I'm looking for God to have already undertaken the situation. Abby, I'm looking for that. You hear me? I'm looking for God to have already done his thing. Problem is, we don't live our lives in expectation. We live our lives in doubt. I know God can do it, but maybe he just won't do it for me. And then we read, he's no respecter of persons. Amen? Now, the church had every reason to doubt that God would answer their prayer for Peter. Why? Because I am sure, beyond doubt, they prayed for James. Aren't you? You ever thought about that? I'm sure they prayed for James. Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe it just happened so soon. No, I think they prayed for James. So they had every reason to doubt, maybe this time, I don't know if God will do it because James, it didn't work out so good. He still died. 
But doesn't it speak of their faith to know even though James had perished by the sword, they didn't let that stop their praying. They didn't stop asking God for big things. They didn't say, well, it didn't work for James, so it's not going to work for Peter. We just better go ahead and plan the funeral. Let's gather together in John Mark's mother's house and let's pray for the funeral or plan the funeral. No, the Bible says they offered earnest prayer before God in behalf of Peter and God heard them and dispatched an angel to the prison. And you say, well, why didn't he do it for James? Because God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. I don't know why he didn't rescue James at that moment, but I do know this. God came through when the church prayed and he'll come through if we'll just pray and ask him to do it. It may not always be the way we want. I think of all the times that, that, that Paul was delivered by the hand of the Lord. Don't you think that? All the times God miraculously intervened in behalf of Paul. Ship goes down. God speaks to Paul and says, don't worry. Tell them everybody's gonna, nobody's going to die. Ship goes down. Nobody dies. Snake grabs hold of, 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 of Paul's hands. He shakes it off into fire. He don't die. Time after time he's beaten. Time after time he's, he's put in peril. But he doesn't die. Why? Because there was a promise that he would speak before kings. And he knows that God is faithful to fulfill his promise. But you know, there came a moment in Paul's life where the prayer for deliverance didn't, wasn't answered the way that maybe he thought it would. Don't you know when they begin to lead him out? to take his head from his body. Maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking, well, one more time, God, will you come through? One more time, will you allow me to be spared? But this time it didn't happen. I'm here to tell you, our God is sovereign. His plan is perfect. And he knows what is needed at the time it is needed. But we don't need to quit praying just because some prayers have not been answered. We need to realize if God said no, he had a reason to say no. Amen? We're not that different than the church that prayed for Peter. We have all been saved. We have all been rescued by the glorious love of Jesus. We've all been set free from our own personal prisons of sin. But guess what? When God showed up in the prison and then Peter showed up at the door, they were still shocked and amazed. Amen? Now, part of that, I believe, was due to the fact that James had died. But I think some people have quit praying for certain things because they just haven't got an answer. Well, two things, I think. They either haven't got the answer they wanted. Come on. Just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean God didn't answer. I've had God say no to me about things, but he knew what he was doing. Come on. I mean, you've ever prayed for something and it didn't go the way you wanted, but it went the way it should. Amen. Amen. God still answers. By the way, an answer to prayer is sometimes no. That's not very popular preaching. We always want to hear that God says yes to everything. But if God said yes to everything, a lot of us, we'd be on boats in Hawaii. <laughs> Come on. You know you've asked the Lord to do that. Some of y'all have. If God said yes to everything you prayed, 
Some of you wouldn't be here. You'd be out relaxing. Well, maybe God didn't answer that prayer because he knew where you'd be. He knows. Okay. Uh, anybody in this room, back in your day when you was dating somebody, thought, oh, they're the answer to my prayers. <laughs> and then they dumped you. Your answer dumped you. Broke your heart. Put it in a blender. Hit frappe. You know, that kind of thing. How could my answer do that to me? And then later on, God shows you, because I saw what you thought was a hero was a zero. And I had something greater for you. Come on, folks. We prayed for things that didn't quite work out the way we wanted them to. As we move forward through our 40 days of focus, we must recognize and realize that God is ready to answer prayers. He's ready to answer prayers, bold prayers, like we've never prayed before. But we must also realize he will answer those prayers according to what he feels is best to prosper the kingdom of God in this earth. And when he moves, we should rejoice and be thankful and give a testimony of that greatness of God. We should never fail to give God glory and honor for what he does. But we also need to realize that most of the time, God rarely answers prayers the way we exactly pray them. And I'm going to give a great example of this. Last Sunday, we prayed for Austin, and my prayer was that immediately you would be doing sprints up and down the hallway. Anybody else believe in that? Was I the only one? No, I was praying for that. Sometimes it's a process. But needless to say, God's going to work it out the way he'll receive the maximum glory for what he is doing. You hear me? I'll share this as we get ready to, to wind things up this morning. The neurologist came in and told Austin and his mom said, and dad said, uh, now we do a, a scale of one to five, and I'm going to give you, uh, for how good you're responding, he said, well, I'm going to give you a four plus. Because if I gave you a five, that would speak of a miraculous healing. Oh, what arrogance. And so they looked at one another, and I love what Lauren texted back. She said, she can go ahead and give her four and a half. She said, God gave him a five. Amen. What are you saying, Pastor. This world will always doubt when God moves. But the church can't afford to doubt when God moves. Second guess. Play little games. Amen? Amen? I've shared it before. <laughs> you, you ask God to move. I need God to break through in my finances. And the boss comes to you and says, okay, we're going to put you on overtime. Don't fuss about the overtime. Give God glory for what he's provided for you to take care of the problem. Amen. Amen. Well, I was hoping the Lord would send a check. <laughs> God doesn't always send a check. Sometimes God moves in ways that, that require me to move too. But is it no less God? No, it's just as much God. How many of you have ever prayed for healing in your body? Look, I prayed for God to heal this knee the minute it popped. 
but it didn't happen that way. I argued with God why he should heal me. Anybody ever done that? God, I'm a pastor of a, of a growing church. I can't be laid up with this thing. I can't. And I mean, I was sitting there arguing with God. You got to heal this so I can get about what you've called me to do. God, this is going to slow me down. I can't slow down. Didn't work that way. So I had to have surgery, and for the first time in my life, I was high on New Year's Eve <laughs> under the supervision of a doctor. I get home, I'm still a little bit upset. Still, Now they're telling me, look, it's going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight. You're going to be laid up with this thing for a while. I'll never forget. I sent Tina and the kids on to church. It was on a, I, I had the surgery on a Friday, I think, that Saturday. And then Tina went on to church. I said, go on, I'll be all right. And I sit there in a recliner with my leg elevated. I was mad and I was upset. And I was saying, God, why didn't you do it the way I asked? He said, because you wouldn't slow down. And I I needed to get your attention because I'm fixing to unleash my glory and you're out of tune because you're so busy trying to do what you think I want you to do. You're not listening to me. So now I've got your attention. You've got nowhere else to go. So boy, pull up a chair and listen to what I want to do in your life. Listen to what I'm about to do in this church because I need your attention and I've got it. Okay. I couldn't run away. I have shared how I battled depression in my life. It would have been easy for me to slide back into that, but Tina will tell you, I didn't slide back into depression. Instead, I got a grip that God was using what was, what was painful and what was not what I wanted. I wanted instant. God said, no, I'm going to, guess what? I can use it today. I can walk around today. I'm not limping today. Why? Because my God is good and he used the uh, surgeons to take care of the problem. But guess what? God gave them the knowledge, so God still did the healing. So I give God all the glory. I don't care what the rock may think they did. My rock Jesus did what he needed to do. I'm telling you, it may not happen the way you want it to happen, but God is working all things to the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. God's working stuff out, but you got to pray. Will you stand? I know this ain't a shout the aisles message, but it can be if we'll begin to apply it, God will begin to show his glory because look, when we pray in secret, God rewards in the open. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in your prayer, in your personal life, if you're praying, God's ready to set some people free. That just keeps going through my heart and through my mind over and over and over again. But we got to want that freedom. We need to trust God who loves us and cares and blesses us every moment of every day. We need to trust the God who answers prayer. So why? Why should we trust him? So what chains are binding us can be broken? Chains of sickness, chains of doubt, chains of fear. Maybe you're battling chains of depression, chains of addiction. Maybe you're chained up to some stuff that you don't even want to mention. So, Pastor, I'm so ashamed of it. God also breaks the chains of shame in our life. What miracle do you need? Come on, church. Oh, miracle. Well, let's see. I know what miracles are, Pastor. That's, um, that's 
you know, taking bread and feeding multitudes. That's, that's crippled people walking again. That's people who can't hear, hearing again. Those are miracles. I don't know any deaf people. And Lord, I don't think I know any blind people. I'm being serious. We, we go through this when we hear the word miracle. What miracle do you need God to do? It can be a financial miracle. It can be an emotional healing. What miracle do you need God to do in your life? Miracles are not just those things that are of physical nature. Because the greatest miracle is when a soul is saved and knows Jesus as their Savior. That is the greatest single miracle that will ever take place. Why? Because I've, you've heard me share this before. All those physical miracles have an expiration date. Lazarus was raised from the dead. That's awesome. The bummer is Lazarus died again. Two times. Lazarus ain't walking around the Middle East somewhere going, well, <laughs> I can't die. No. The blind men Jesus healed still died. The lame that he made to walk again still were carried to a grave. I want you to hear what I'm getting at today. The lepers he cleansed still had to go to a tomb and die. They died. Every miracle recorded in the Bible had an expiration date but one. Then in 1976, between my mother and my father, I knelt and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And there was a miracle performed at that moment that had no expiration date. <laughs> For I'm still saved today and one day I will behold Jesus, my Savior. If you're saved... You are a living, breathing miracle. You say, well, I don't, I don't understand that. Let me tell you what Jesus would say. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better to go into the kingdom of God with one eye. <laughs> if your right arm offends you, cut it off. Why? It's better to go into the kingdom with one arm. What was he saying? He was being very vivid that this life is temporary. There's expiration dates on those things, but the eternal things last forever. He's saying, what's important is that you make it into the kingdom of heaven. God's ready to perform the miracle of salvation over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in Chattooga County and beyond this coming year. But I'm here to tell you, we've got to get ourselves in tune with the Spirit in order for God to do that because he's going to use us to reach these people that are lost. Amen. I was sharing, I think it was Jimbo I was sharing with. Um, the statistic says that 85% of people will go to church if somebody invites them. 
Now, there's a lot of statistics that I look at, and it's very disheartening. But I want you to think about that. That's better than one out of eight. or one. Out, I mean, better than eight out of ten. That means eight and a half percent of the time, out of ten people that you ask, eight of them would come church with you. That's, a, that's pretty good. Amen? Hey, I considered an 80 and A on a test when I was coming through high school. 80, yes. Honor roll. My dad shouted just as much, so I'm just. What are you saying? But we can't invite people to come and then see us chained. Bound, depressed, hopeless. <laughs> Don't you think about that? You ever? <laughs> I love God. I, I love it, but you know, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Some Christians are the most depressing looking people on planet Earth. Some, not all, but some. What's wrong, Phil? Oh, nothing. I'm rejoicing. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to heaven. You want to go to church with me? No, that's okay. I'm good. Come on, I think sometimes the world looks at us and says, I may be going to hell, but at least I can smile. I may be going to hell, but at least I can laugh. Look, we're supposed to have the answers, church. Well, I don't have all the answers. You're right. We have the answer. What is the answer? The answer is Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, why do we act so down? Why do we act so gloomy when we have Jesus in our life? We have the hope of glory in us. The hope of glory. What are you selling to this world? How many have ever sold something? You've ever sold something? Really? Okay, thank you. Have you ever talked your sell up if somebody was trying, you're trying to sell something to somebody? Huh? You ever been around somebody brutal honest about something? You know? You go to buy a vehicle and you say, well, what kind of mileage does it get? Oh, you might as well own a refinery, buddy. You're going to need it with this car. Oh, really? What kind of safety rating is there? Better be prayed up. The brakes work good if you pump them a lot. How are the tires? Well, let's just say you you know you might like ice skating. Well, 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 do you do you like the car? Not at all. It's a lemon. It's a complete piece of trash. But I'll sell it to you at this price. What are you gonna do? I'm out of here. Nobody does that. They always talk up the good parts, don't they? Well, it's not get the greatest mileage, but you know, it's okay. It's okay for what it is. What do people see when they kick our tires? Come on, folks. What does the world see when we claim to know Jesus as our Savior? And they watch me go through a storm. 
Do they see me fall apart? Do they see me climb into depression or fear or doubt? Do they see me walk into the cell and say, okay, chain me back up to the things I was set free from because I don't know if God's going to set me free or not. And all of a sudden the Lord says, once again, I'll come into the midst of where you're at. You don't have to come where I'm at. I, look, Peter couldn't go to where the church was, it's, but, the, but the Lord could go to where Peter was. And he was set free and to the point that he's asleep. That's amazing to me. The angel, wake up, Peter. We got to get out of here quick. Wake up. I sense in my spirit God is saying, I'm ready to walk into some cells. And I'm ready to set somebody free. They're going to sing this song. And I'm just going to simply say this if you got to go home, you got stuff going on, I understand. You can slip on out the door. But if you're ready, you're ready to start living real free set free don't let anything hold you back find a way to this altar and I promise you the prayer of a righteous man the effectual fervent prayer the earnest prayer of the righteous avails much once again we thank you for worshiping with us today we would love to hear from you. If you were touched in any way by today's message, please let us know. You can find out more about us and even support our ministry with an offering at tryhwc.com. Thank you again for listening and worship.